0: These are extremely important times in the state of Wisconsin. We're talking about the next two years of the spending plan, asking you, the taxpayer, how much you will pay for your government, the operation therein. Governor Tony Evers is asking a lot of taxpayers, of course, and now begins the phase that is so very important, the taxpayers' input on the 2019-21 biennial budget, and that's what we're here to talk about today. Joined uh, this time on MacGyver Newsmakers by State Senator Alberta Darling. Republican. River Hills, also co-chair of the legislature's joint finance committee. Good uh, day and, and thank Good you so much for joining us. Good to you, Matt.
1: Glad to be here.
0: Well, thank you so much. We really wanted to let folks know that over the next three plus weeks, they will have the opportunity to have their voices heard beginning this Friday yes. in Gainesville.
1: Yes, and actually we're going to be having four public hearings, so we'll be all over the state and we encourage people to come out and tell us what they think about the budget, but you know what I'm concerned about, Matt, is I don't think a lot of citizens understand what this budget does. Mm -hmm. Governor Evers' budget, in my opinion, sets the state back because what we had to do in the last eight years when we first started with the Governor Walker Republican majority. We had a $3.8 billion deficit. We had to make really tough decisions to uphold the rights of the taxpayers to, to live within our means and get the state on the right track. And I'm really concerned that this budget turns back the, the progress and puts us in a backward cycle, not going forward. If you look at his spending alone, $6 billion. Now, you can't spend $6 billion if you don't have it. Mm-hmm. We have about $1.8 billion of new generated revenue. You can't spend $6 billion if you only really have $1.8 billion. It just doesn't work. And also, he has over 700 new state employees. Now, most of the time that we had with the Walker administration, we worked to reduce the bureaucracy, and yet he comes in, jumps in, and, and hires like 700 new people, and gives them raises, and those vacancies were there for about a year and a half, so these positions did not need to be filled, and that's what we were shooting for, to get Wisconsin on the right track make sure we're living within our means, and get an atmosphere of prosperity for our citizens, and he's really turning that around, and I'm very concerned about that. And look at all the reforms he, he he's ripped out of his budget. Look at charter and choice. Right. We felt very strongly about giving parents the, the choice, a better choice for their children if they felt it was necessary, and he's he's not doing that. He's not respecting that, that premise, and he's turning back the clock on charter and and vouchers and they need certainty, schools need certainty. The one area he increases spending the most significantly is K-12 education and why we all love our education system, albeit we could do you know, improvements—that's for sure. But we really like our teachers, and we respect our education system. He gives us gives it 11 percent increase, mm-hmm. and what many of my superintendents have said is that's not feasible, because we like certainty, like we like substantial to be sustainable. We don't like to have highs and lows, so that is not going to help our schools in the long run, and actually we're not going to be able to give 11% increase because we just don't have the money. So we'll be perceived as being the good guys. So I think what uh, Governor Evers did was it was a giveaway to his special interests. He doesn't care if the the budget is balanced, and the Fiscal Bureau said it's not balanced, and they're worried about that, and so am I. But he just divvied up the money to his friends and people he felt were supporters of his without the the notion of what's in the best interest of our taxpayers, what's sustainable. And the biggest issue with me is we're on the right track. The Marquette poll said that 54% of the people thought we were on the right track, which is really important. That was an all-time record. And what I'm concerned about, he, he took back a lot of the reforms that we put in to get Wisconsin on the right track, as I mentioned, spending within our means and making sure that our our books were balanced and had a balanced budget, did not have deficits, that we paid our bills in the right way, and he doesn't seem to care. He took off the drug testing for, um, for uh, people who are looking for jobs. He took off the fact you have to work if you want to get uh, health care benefits, and that's not right. We want people to be independent and sustainable, mm-hmm. and I think that this budget puts us on the wrong track.
0: This is a budget that definitely expands government. Yes. There is no other way around that. And for the past 8 years there has been a check on that yes. constant expansion. Yes. That's not to say that your budgets didn't go up. This is a budget though. Our, our budget
1: went up over like 3%. Exactly,
0: but you take a look His at His budget's
1: it, going up 8 8%. Yes,
0: and even more so than we originally thought. Remember when the governor proposed this in late February, it was billed as an 83.5 billion dollar right. budget. Now, depending on how you look at it, some say it's a 6 million dollar increase from the past budget. 6 but, billion. But 6 billion, but mm-hmm. if you look at you if you look at it, uh, a little bit more, a little deeper, it's really a $7 billion increase once you start factoring everything in. Uh, and then we get uh, the report from the Legislative Fiscal Bureau that says, no, this is bigger than was originally proposed, what the governor was talking about, by about $700 million. Yes, that's yes. that's a lot of money. That's yes. a lot of ask for yes. taxpayers.
1: And, you know, when we got Wisconsin back on the right track, we really held, held the the cap on property taxes and it really was difficult to do and people really appreciated that because the property tax bill comes in right at Christmas. It's their, probably their biggest investment, mm-hmm. and people felt really good about the fact that we worked so hard to hold the line on property taxes, and he has no regard for people on their property taxes. He's increasing property taxes significantly, and he's having uh, no, no hold barred for referendums, and I think that's not in the best interest of the
0: taxpayer at all. Senator Alberta Darling joining us on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. We're talking about the budget hearings coming up, the Joint Finance Committee, the committee that uh, Senator Darling co-chairs, along with State Representative John Nigren. hitting the road uh, as of this week on Friday in Jamesville. That begins at 10 o'clock at the Pontiac Convention Center. I know that by memory, and there are several other hearings we'll tell you about here coming up momentarily. But back to the budget, uh, Governor Evers... When he was candidate, Evers, on the campaign trail, said a lot of things, made a lot of promises. Uh, one of his most significant pledges right before the election, days before the election, was that uh, he didn't see a need to increase taxes. He didn't plan That's exactly to include right. a budget that would increase taxes. He said taxes. that right
1: before the election. Mm-hmm. But we're
0: seeing an increase in taxes. Yes, yeah, no so
1: over a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And I think that really shows how disingenuous he was in the campaign, that he felt he could just say one thing and then do another. And one thing that I really respected about Governor Walker is he did what he said he was going to do. He stuck to his word and people, whether you liked him or didn't, respected that. He kept his word. And Evers is not keeping his word. The amount of money that he's spending uh, the taxpayers is way beyond our means. and. The sustainability issue is the most important thing. We don't know what the economy is going to bring in the next two years, so it's very important that we are in a positive role, but that we live within our means and we don't spend more than we have. So the next time out, if we can grow the economy, which is our goal, that's great, but what if we have a a recession or a downturn? Then we're gonna have to significantly cut programs, and what people want is certainty and sustainability.
0: Indeed. The governor has proposed a number of new initiatives, a number of uh, new spending uh, uh, categories, a number of new programs. It's a pretty ambitious budget, to say the very least. Now, some of that, of course, has uh, a great deal of popular support uh, around it. Because when we talk about expanding programs, there are a number of people that do want to see expanded government how do you go against the narrative uh, for things like Medicare expansion when you have a governor saying that it's going to open the door for accessibility to 80,000 people, when we quite frankly know that it's half of that under expansion because we have so many people now because of this booming economy who actually now, who didn't have insurance before, have insurance under private uh, employers. But there still is that battle that goes on in terms of messaging that, oh, the big bad conservatives want to take away exactly. accessibility and, you know, and good health care and all of those sorts. And how do you go against that? Well, what right
1: he's at, talking about is Medicaid. He wants to ex- take the Medicaid, Medicaid expansion. Yeah. And the reason we don't want to take the Medicaid expansion is it's worth a lot of money mm-hmm. today. But will the federal government be able to give it tomorrow? And we, again, sustainability and certainty is really very important, and plus we have one of the best healthcare systems in the country. We fund up to 100% of poverty, and we fund up to 300% for children and for pregnant women, which is what you would do under Obamacare. So for us to expand, the program would mean that we'll be taking people off the private roles and putting them on mm-hmm. the public doll and that will cost everybody more money. It'll cost the government more money and it will also cost the private sector free enterprise system more money too because all those people right now are on healthcare systems and are getting insurance through their business or through other means that will go away and that will affect our healthcare system all over the state. Mm-hmm. So it'll cost all of us who have insurance more money just to expand the program. And right now our our roles are very generous when it comes to Medicaid. We we take very good care of our, our individuals. As I mentioned, we fund up to hundred percent of poverty and three hundred percent for pregnant women and children, and that's really important. So what we could gain out of the expansion is a lot of uncertainty and not a lot of accessibility. What people want is to have access to health care and what we're talking about is having more charitable and and, and free clinics because right now the problem is not health care itself, it's getting access to health care and the costs have gone up significantly for public dollars, public health care. And in the private sector in Wisconsin, we've we've kept down the cost of health care, the increasing cost in health care through really good management and a lot of evidence-based approaches. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to go on a government kick that's going to put us off this track. And we're giving a lot of good health care to our people who really need it. I
0: was curious what you thought about this. I've been uh, talking to some lawmakers uh, about what effectively is a kind of hybrid plan, if you will. It would be the state accepting the Medicaid expansion money, but not expanding Medicaid. To use that money to drive the marketplace and to incentivize moving people off of government-controlled health care through Medicaid into the private sector I'm hearing uh, more and more about this, and I'm hearing it from conservatives. It's known as the Arkansas plan, right. maybe Arkansas 2.0, because right. it's a little bit different. Yes. What, do you, what do you think about
1: this? Well, I think it's a good idea to have people on, on private sector health care, and we, that's why we don't want to go on this government expansion of Medicaid. And really, to take the money and then not use it for access or for health care itself is not exactly the goal of this expansion. I think Arkansas has a a good idea, but I think Wisconsin, this Wisconsin model is really working because we fund up to 100% of poverty. As I mentioned, 300% of, of pregnant women and children. So we have a really good system. It's access that we have trouble. With the, because what we found is a lot of people, if they don't have a clinic or a doctor they can go to, they're going to go to the emergency room. Right. And so what we have been working on is to have incentives for people to go to clinics and to have uh, health care reach out to these individuals so that they can get quality health care. So I think access is a big issue, and Wisconsin has been working on this for a long time.
0: Indeed. Senator Alberta Darling joining us. Just a few more minutes on MacGyver Newsmakers. I want to turn our attention to the bedlam that was created in Dane County with another liberal Dane County judge uh, intervening. It's happened so often before, wrote about it at uh, MacGyver News recently. It seems that what happened a couple of weeks ago under the direction of circuit court judge Uh, niece Mm -hmm. in Dane County, which basically declared unconstitutional all of the laws and all of the appointees uh, that came out of the December's extraordinary session, declared it unconstitutional as if it never existed. Uh, This seems to me, again, another right to work. It seems to me another Act 10, where you have liberals Uh, Democrats and their allies taking legislation passed under Republicans and signed under a Republican governor, uh, objecting to that, taking it to court, winning, of course, at the very liberal activist judge Mm -hmm. level, Dane County. And then, as we've often said, Dane County being 77 square miles surrounded by reality, Mm -hmm. once it goes outside of Dane County and goes to uh, another court, the state legislature generally wins those battles. Another big victory today came down for the legislature from the third district. They're going to expedite this whole issue involving the stay. Yes. Where do you see everything landing once this is finally said and done? And and that's a long quest because we have at least four different lawsuits in play, right?
1: Yes. Well, a lot depends on the Supreme Court Mm -hmm. because many of our reforms went to the circuit court, got overturned, and we appealed and went to the Supreme Court. And if we don't have a Supreme Court who's uh, going to be ruling as a rule of law, not on being an activist judge, will be okay. But if the Supreme Court turns to be activist judges, all of our reforms probably will not be upheld. So the Supreme Court is extremely critical right now. And today is election day, and we have to hope that uh, Hagedorn is going to win because he's not considered a, a, a man who wants to make law. He wants to play by the rule of law and uphold the rules and constitution.
0: Mm. Um, We had a lot of confusion, of course, that came out of the Dane County decision on the appointees.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that was a big mistake, Matt, because these appointees, except for a couple, were Mm -hmm. volunteers. They were on boards because they were like maybe the medical examiner, they were, you know, the architects. They were different associations of being represented and they were volunteers making decisions, making recommendations to the government, and it was a very important role. So he fired all those people who were volunteers. The one major person who was employed in a... uh, head of a department actually it would be the Public service Commission he said that her position wasn't valid because of the lame duck session mm-hmm. but he's totally wrong on the lame duck issue and if we get a fair hearing in court it will be our actions will be ruled constitutional because we are able until the 1st of January to have our legislature in session we are able to call uh, special sessions and we're able to make policy decisions when we have a uh, a new governor, but the governor hasn't come in to office yet. We're able to do that. It's our, our right as legislators. So I think that Governor Evers has a is not respecting the Constitution as it's played out with three separate branches. He's uh, saying that the legislature is a second-class citizen to the executive, and that's why the Supreme Court will be very important to really look at what we've done, all the reforms we've done, for the most part, have been taken to the circuit court in Madison, and then we've appealed, then we've gone back to the Supreme Court, and most of them have been upheld as constitutional by the Supreme Court, not because the judges are Republicans. It's because they they rule by the rule of law and uphold the Constitution. They're not activist judges. So that's very important, and I'm really concerned about what's going to happen with the Supreme Court. But for the legislature, Matt, i'm optimistic mm-hmm. we control the purse strings and this is what my constituents come and ask me about oh my god what's going to happen we're on the right track evers is talking about setting us back what can you do and i said we control the purse strings we ha- will have a budget that will be balanced that will will live in and within our means that will do the right thing for the taxpayers for children and all people in the state as best we can like we've done in the previous eight years we'll help to ha- spur on the economy and if the governor vetoes it, then it's gonna be a real problem. Because we don't shut down government. What we do is the, the base the, the this year's budget will roll forward. Right. And it's not a bad budget, so we could live with it and then we could pick up issues that we want to add extra funding to as we go along. So if he does, if he doesn't sign our our budget, if he vetoes it, because it's going to be very different from his, because we are not going to spend six billion dollars, we're not going to turn turn back all the reforms, we're not going to raise taxes by a billion dollars, we're not going to ex- extend but, uh, bonding to over mm-hmm. two hundred billion. I mean, we are not going to live with, without all those revenues that he thinks you can just create by making drawings of money. We're not going to do it. So we're gonna have a budget that he's probably not gonna like because his budget is not based on priorities. Ours will be based on priorities. And Let me tell you a few of those priorities. Number one would be to live within our means and to protect the taxpayer. Two would be to protect the property tax because that was a huge priority before. And three is to make investments in education that are sustainable and are are going to be able to be continued. And the big priority that we have is to grow our jobs. And workforce development is absent as a priority in the governor's budget and we know that Wisconsin could grow even further and do even better and grow the economy and have a better life for our citizens if we live within our means and, and work on workforce development we have a we have over 80 to 90,000 jobs right now that are open right. and we can't fill them because there isn't the skill sets out there and people are not able to find out how to get to those jobs. Mm -hmm. So we made that investment in jobs, in training, and AVERS doesn't seem to think that that's a priority and that's really a mistake.
0: Yeah, well, based on that, we get back to the budget and the importance of these hearings. Do you you see the Joint Finance Committee, the JFC Mm -hmm. building from the, the ground up saying, None of these things in the governor's budget, or very few, live up to the priorities that we've had as a legislature. Do you you build that basically from scratch and and start over? No,
1: we're not going to build it from scratch. What we're going to do is look at the base budget. The base budget is really this year's budget. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start with that. And that and then we will look at what the governor has proposed on it and issues like education, health care, transportation, corrections, higher ed. And we will then look at other options that the Fiscal Bureau can lay out for us or we lay out for ourselves. Or we can take motions from the floor in finance and it'll take nine votes to get any any uh, decision in the budget. So we'll build the budget that way. We're not gonna throw out his budget, but I can tell you we're not gonna do a lot of his budget. We're gonna start with the base, which is this year's budget. We will then compare the base to what he's put in and then we'll have other options that are more in, in, in living up to what I said earlier, that are within our means, and then we'll take nine votes to to get whatever solution we come up with, and that's the way we'll build the budget issue by issue. So what I'm hoping we can do is probably look at at education as a big priority, workforce development as a big priority, holding the line on property tax as a big priority, making sure our health care is paid for making sure our corrections is uh, paid for and um, higher ed is going to go forward strongly we'll have those as our priorities and we'll we'll go forward and we're not going to be able to spend the amount of money that he has and people be some people will be upset about that and you know what that's going to happen because we're going to live within our means and we're not going to spend over over what we have Mm. And in the end, that's what people want us to do because they've told us, we want to build jobs, we want to have certainty, we want to have Wisconsin, the state, that is proud to be growing, proud to be adding jobs. We don't want to lose jobs. So when the Doyle era was here, yeah, he gave out a lot of cookies to people, but what we had was a huge deficit. Mm -hmm. And he borrowed from everybody, including education, transportation, and it was a terrible disaster. Companies left our state. And we had a huge hole, and now we're in a much different path, and we're going to keep on that path. So it's going to be it's going to be a challenge, I I tell you. But we're going to be very deliberative. We're going to try to live within our means. So last year we spent about three percent increase, which increase which is reasonable, mm-hmm. and we're not going to spend. 7 to 8% more because we just don't have that money.
0: Yeah, well, In the Doyle administration, we found out pretty quickly how fast those cookies go. You were yeah. left with an empty cookie jar. We did, a big when, one. When and, you had to start again in yeah, 2011. And
1: businesses left because they, th- they knew mm-hmm. it was unaffordable to be in Wisconsin. And now look at us. Our biggest issue is a labor shortage yeah. because our industries and our small businesses especially are doing very well. They're growing. And what our Small businesses tell us is they could grow more if they had the labor. And if they thank us for the rules and regs we took off of them that were not value added and important to them and were then cost them a lot of money. But the Evers administration puts back a lot of those rules and regs and puts back a lot of the increased taxes. You know, those taxes, some people think that if you make a million dollars and you're a millionaire. Well, you're not necessarily. A person who's a small business might bring in a million dollars, but they might take home 20 to 30. So when you're talking about millionaires, You're talking about many small businesses who live out of their own personal checkbooks. And we're going to want to make sure that those small businesses grow because that's our our bread and butter, our core growth for the state.
0: Yeah, and and that is ultimately, I think, a discussion that's lost is how this budget impacts small businesses, the people who have built this economy as robust as it is. We have, of course, coming up in... uh, well, throughout uh, the, the, the month of April, a uh, series of budget hearings. You'll hear from the most important lobbyist of all, the taxpayers right. in the state. I'm hoping that you really truly do hear from the people of the state, the lobbyists, and not special interest, because I know that these sorts of, at least the governor's uh, hearings earlier uh, this year, late last year, really focused on a lot of the special interest groups, yes. the liberal special interest. I'm hoping we hear from, you know, everyday hardworking Wisconsinites who have to pay the bill for this government. So again, uh, public hearings on the Joint Finance Committee, uh, from the Joint Finance Committee, those hearings coming up, Begin Friday in, right, Janesville, in Janesville. Yes. Next week in Oak Creek on yes, Wednesday, yes. and then later on in the month at UW River Falls right. and UW Green right. Bay. Yes. I hope that you know a good number of people can get out there and talk to you about it.
1: Well, Matt, do your best to get the word out mm-hmm. because often it is the special interest groups who come to our public hearings too, mm-hmm. and just tell us what they want, and usually they want more. In fact, at one public hearing uh, two years ago. We heard from one person who said, I think I'm the only regular taxpayer in this audience after he sat there for hours and hours. So I hope Mm -hmm. through your voice, you can convince people to come out because we want to listen to what's important to them. But what I have been told by the people who I represent is they want us to stay on this track of growing the economy, living within our means, and doing as well as we're doing now. They don't want to backtrack to the Doyle days. They don't want to see increase. Taxes, which Evers has in his budget. They don't want to see increased spending that's beyond our means. They don't want to see bonding go up because that's, that's debt, putting things on your credit card. They feel very strongly about those things because they sit at their kitchen tables and they have to make hard decisions on their budget and their priorities and how they use their money, and they want us to do the same thing.
0: Mm, you bet. Senator Alberta Darling joining us. On uh, MacGyver Newsmakers. Do you have time for five fast questions? Sure. It's a little segment we do with all of our newsmakers. Sure. Uh, again, I will give you the caveat uh, you don't need to put a lot of thought into the answers okay. because uh, I certainly haven't put a lot of thought into the questions. Oh, dear. It's just a little fun way we get to know our lawmakers a little bit better. We call it five fast questions. Here we go with question okay. number one Does everybody need a little JFC?
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness, you're so funny. You know, if everybody got a, G, a JFC, they would spend hours and hours and hours working on these issues, so I don't think everybody
0: would want it. <laughs> we all need JFC to do the heavy lifting of budget work, of course. Hey, what's uh, what's a better read, Legislative Fiscal Bureau memos or Legislative Reference Bureau draft legislation?
1: The, the Legislative Fiscal Bureau, in my opinion, they um, give us... Well, they give us different kinds of information. And because we're the budget committee, we deal with the Fiscal Bureau because they're the numbers people. They're our budget shop.
0: And let's face it, they know how to party. The Legislative Reference Bureau people, nice folks, but not like the, uh, the LFB folks. They, well, they're, they
1: they're good folks, too. I don't want to th- <laughs> think that I
0: don't respect them. These guys know how to rock. Uh, speaking of rock, who put the ram in the ramadama ding-dong?
1: I have no idea.
0: That's one of those old uh, questions <laughs> for those old songs. Gee, I, I wish things. I had
1: listened to your your, uh, your, your whole cadre of uh, questions. I might have prepared <laughs> for that one.
0: That's a hard one to prepare for, believe me. Uh, what Peebo Bryson song best describes you?
1: I have no idea. Give me some choices.
0: You know, I have the best of people, Bryson, at home, but I I can't think of a single song right now. We'll move on to question number five, the final question. These are really off-the-law questions. I'm telling you what. These five (laughs) fast questions, they can be tough. What word do you say when you want to curse but you can't? Ooh. I'm sure this happens uh, in the legislative process. Oh, never. From time to time. (laughs)
1: That's a really good question. I think what I do is take a deep breath uh-huh. and let it out and let it go.
0: Good. That's. I think that's. But in my really mind, good. I have a lot of got flurry. A few in there. Yeah, a few ready to <laughs> pop. My mom would say fiddlesticks. She'd say, "Oh, fiddlesticks!" But we knew what she meant. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Thanks so much. Well, thank uh, you, Matt, and, and
1: thank you for your voice. It's really important to have your conservative voice telling the real story about what's happening here because I don't
0: think a lot of people know what's really going on. Well, I appreciate that. We'll continue to do so. Thank you. As always, we enjoy our time with our newsmakers and Alberta Darling, Senator Alberta Darling, co-chair of the state's budget writing uh, committee, joining us today on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. I'm Matt Kittle reporting.